I'm Betsy Reed, and this is The Discomfort Practice, where I talk to creatives, activists, leaders, scientists, and a host of others about discomfort, about the role it's played in their lives, who they are and what they do in the world, and the value of discomfort in helping us move forward as a society. Discomfort is just the edge of your comfort zone, and on the other side are superpowers. So settle yourself in, and let's get uncomfortable. So welcome to my latest solo episode. This is about a subject that comes up pretty regularly for me and was really brought to my attention this week as something I needed to talk about that was just bubbling up inside of me. It's something I talk about mm, fairly regularly in talks I give, lectures I give, but it's something that I haven't really explicitly talked about like this. And that is, why do we take down our heroes? Why do we want to martyr the people who are actually doing some of the greatest good in the world? And what does that say about us? So settle yourself in. I really hope this makes you uncomfortable because I I can't think of really anyone, including myself, who hasn't been guilty of this at some point. So I just want to speak some truth from experience, from just sheer passion about the subject. So I was talking about this very thing this week with friends. It came up in a WhatsApp group because a story came to light this week about Patrice Concolors, who's one of the co-founders of the Black Lives Matter movement, who bought several nice homes in shock horror white neighborhoods in L.A. And, and a lot of people that I kind of expect better of really jumped in there And we're like, oh my gosh, this is why I don't get involved in movements. This is why I don't make donations. And I had to just, I got a little bit outraged. Uh, Irate might be the word actually. And waded in because I've been on the other side of this myself. So I just want us all to sit with the question, why do we make our heroes mm, not human? Why do we need people who are doing good things in the world? to be martyrs? What are we projecting onto them? What are they a proxy for, for us? And what do we need to look in the mirror about and see what it says about us and call on others to do the same? So this all sorts of triggered me. As you can probably tell from my voice, I can feel myself. I'm, I'm sitting recording this at eight in the morning and I'm already feeling quite like Ugh, ready to do battle because I've led movements and campaigns. I've been the director of an NGO, and I've experienced this myself. Um, I remember when I was actually based at Oxfam during one of the regular waves of journalists, air quote, breaking the, quote, scandal that shock, horror, Oxfam and other organizations like them actually keep back a percentage of donations to, you know, run the organization to be able to pay decent salaries that attract talented, smart people who can actually help solve some of these tricky systemic issues like global poverty and exploitation and childhood death from malaria, rather than having to think, well, I actually want to own a home someday and maybe have children, so I can't afford to do good things. I have to take a job in finance or whatever. So I just sort of went, oh, here we go again, because like I said, every few years, this story, quote, breaks as some sort of scandal. People jump on board. Good people jump on board and get outraged. And this impacts 
donations to good organizations, and then this impacts their ability to do their work. And then the people who usually say donate to Amnesty or Oxfam or or the Sierra Club or all of these other great organizations doing truly good work in the best way they can suffer. Their work suffers. And the people who benefit from their work suffers. And the people who stop donating, and you might be one of those people, so listen up. This might be one for you to consider and be uncomfortable about. You have a real impact. You've stopped doing something that actually does some good in the world, and yet maybe you get to feel morally good about it because you got outraged and you thought, oh, the scandal of you keep 20% back for administration and costs. Well, yeah, that's how organizations work. So it's not a scandal. You've actually been manipulated by the media. So, um, I remember thinking back to the time when I was a young director of an NGO. I was drowning in American student loan debt. I was working in the UK where people don't understand drowning in American student loan debt. And I remember asking for a raise every year. And board members who were absolutely lovely campaigners, activists, but grew up in a different place in a different time, they had pretty nice lives. They owned homes. They could afford to go on holiday. I couldn't. And I remember one said to me, oh, it's all about the cause. Like, you shouldn't need money. It's all about the cause. And another said, but you got a raise last year. And I remember just being so angered and frustrated by that because... I don't want to be a martyr. I want to be a human being with aspirations and a nice life. And why was I required to be a martyr to the cause? Why was I required to live in poverty because I wanted to do something good in the world? And then I see that in other people who we project that need for martyrdom onto our heroes. Why do we do that? Why do we require our moral heroes to be martyrs? Why do we require other people to sacrifice their financial well-being, maybe their relationships because they work all the time, when we wouldn't do the same? I recently interviewed for a role with an organization that they, they said something that was a real clue to me that I probably would not be a good fit there when they talked about how, well, they do good stuff, so they just work all the time. They took pride in giving all of their life to the cause. And I'm not willing to do that because that's not sustainable for me or anyone else as a human being to not have time for friendships or relationships or to show up to a friend's birthday party or take care of myself by getting enough sleep. That is not a sustainable way of doing anything. So why do we require people to stop being human to do good things? And why do we not require that of ourselves? And then why, when we see them as failing because they've maybe succeeded, or like Patrice, she has clearly done very well for herself and therefore is able to afford nice homes, along with her partner, who, Janiah Khan, oh my gosh, watch their Sunday sermons on Instagram at Janiah the Future, by the way. Um, But why do we punish them for doing well, for being successful, for being abundant. And this comes from a lot of us who are involved in that sort of, we're calling it abundance. We're trying to get through our money blocks. We celebrate the idea of getting past uh, things that are traditionally how our family has done things. Maybe we have a poverty mentality or what. And then when somebody else does that, we beat them up for it. What's that that all about? 
We beat them up. We abandon them. We publicly castigate them when they fail to be martyrs. So I read a line in an article as I was just getting my thoughts together for this that said, today's hero is tomorrow's conspiracy theory. And if you think about that, it's so true because our heroes become not human. We take these people who've become heroes because they've taken action and maybe made big sacrifices or put themselves in the firing line to address systemic issues. And then we clobber them or we elevate them beyond the point of being human. So I want to ask, what are our heroes a proxy for? Why do we need them? And what have we failed at ourselves that we need them to be heroes? So I think there are a few things at play here. Because obviously I've mentioned that making someone a hero dehumanizes them. It does none of us any good because it often means we then focus on them rather than the causes, the systemic failings that make them heroes in the first place. And obviously I speak as somebody who, I'm American, I'm also British, I live in Spain, but the U.S. is particularly good at this because we like a big hero. You know, we have that whole narrative of the cowboy and the hero leader But then those people so easily become a public enemy or a scapegoat. And you saw that in the last administration by the president, former president, whose name I refuse to say. Um, But we do that and then we take people down. So what does taking down our heroes or punching our allies say about us? Because it says something about us. And I see a lot of people who are doing zero to change the world and who are maybe angry about that, about their lack of agency or ashamed of how they aren't doing something or they're frustrated with their own lives. And instead of stepping into their own discomfort about that, they spew it onto others. That might even be you. That might be that you act horrified about, you know, these quote unquote scandals that break about people we see as being sort of above being human, doing things like buying nice homes for themselves or going on holiday. (laughs) Or having nicer things than we think they should have. But what does that say about us? Why do we need them to be poor? Why do we need them to be not like us? Not have the same dreams and aspirations and struggles and relationships. So instead of looking in the mirror, it's really easy to just get incensed and beat up someone else. Look at grown men who've attacked Greta Thunberg when she was 16 for calling them out. For telling them they should be ashamed for taking her childhood, for saying, I should be in school right now. You should be making decisions to save the world from climate change, but you're not. Grown men. Grown men had to take down Greta Thunberg. Why? Why? What's that all about? But then how are we doing the same? Why do we pick on, I'm just going to pick an example, people like Leonardo DiCaprio for flying around the world to campaign about climate change? Yeah, it sucks that he's flying. It doesn't have a great environmental impact, but he's doing something But then we say nothing about the many, many, many people who are just flying around because they want to fly around, but they're doing nothing to make the world a better place. They're just busy being, you know, the Kardashians or whatever. Why do we take down those who are trying to do some good and leave alone the people actually maybe doing harm because maybe we can't relate to them or because they're not worth the effort? Why do we focus our criticism on the people who are actually trying to do something good? Why? What is our hypocrisy? What does that say about us? What are we projecting onto these people that we actually need to spot in ourselves? Hmm. Are we disappointed in ourselves? Are we 
using this as an easy way to deflect from our own shame that we're not doing much or we're doing less than we think we should? Is there an unease inside of you? That means you have to either ignore it or take it out on someone else. Judgment of ourselves. Because I'm going to be personal here. I have noticed that as I've learned to be much more compassionate toward myself, I am more able to be compassionate to others. So conversely, on the other side of that, I've probably been quite harsh to others who've worked for me, who've been my partner, who have been my friends in the past, as I have been harsh to myself. So I ask you, when you want to criticize heroes or people doing good in the world or people, even influencers on Instagram who are maybe yoga teachers or wellness professionals, what is what does that actually say about us? What are we actually projecting onto them that we're not sitting with? What are we uncomfortable about? Maybe that they're doing more than us. Maybe that they represent something we're not doing ourselves or giving to ourselves or giving to the world. It's pretty uncomfortable, isn't it? But we also need to consider the consequences of when we do turn on our heroes, clobber other people who are actually trying to do something good. What does that actually add to the narrative and the energy out there? What are you adding to the world by doing that? And it's never neutral. So let's just be honest about that. I read an interesting article that talked about how we do a disservice to people who do great things when we make them heroes, because when they go off script, we clobber them. Because making people heroes silences them. And actually even influencers, if you think about this, they have to then perform this dance that's, quote, on brand, that doesn't lose them followers, that doesn't lose them clients. And actually, I think the whole social media circus kind of does do that to people. You have to sort of be a hero. You have to be aligned. I mean, we all who are on Instagram know about how it feels to just see the good side, to just see the beautiful stuff, to just see the glossy on brand stuff. But actually, that's not a whole person. And so it's exactly the same with our heroes. I also want to raise a point about considering the agenda behind stories that make it out there that are, quote, scandals, like this one about Patrice Kahn colors. What, what are you adding with a knee-jerk reaction and a careless, judgy comma? Because, think about this one, uh, Black Lives Matter put out a statement clarifying, this is two days ago, that Patrice actually serves in a voluntary capacity as chair of Black Lives Matter and hasn't received any compensation whatsoever since 2019. So the story linking implicitly and explicitly the scandal of her buying a nice house for herself or nice houses for herself, who cares, to somehow she's she's implying it's implying that she's, you know, skimming money or she's making money off of donations or whatever. She hasn't actually gotten any money from Black Lives Matter in almost two years. And previous to that, they just compensated her for her time, which is very common practice. And wouldn't you agree? She deserves to be compensated for her time. None of us should be a slave to a cause. People should be paid for what they do, particularly if it's a good thing. Why should it be for free? Why should they have to be poor to do good things? I'm going to keep going back to this question because it is 100% why I walked away from working with NGOs myself and have committed myself to working with the private sector. I don't want to have to be poor to do good things in the world, and neither should you, neither should anyone else. So this is the rest of the, stereotype from the, the statement from Black Lives Matter. The narratives being spread about Patrice have been generated by right-wing forces 
intent on reducing the support and influence of a movement that is larger than any one organization. This right-wing offensive not only puts Patrice, her child, and her loved ones in harm's way, it also continues a tradition of terror by white supremacists against black activists. All black activists know the fear these malicious and serious actions are meant to instill. The fear of being silenced, the trauma of being targeted, the torture of feeling one's family is exposed to danger just for speaking out against unjust systems. We have seen this tactic of terror time and again, but our movement will not be silenced. This is the starkest example I can think of, and I'm grateful for that, that statement, because there is an agenda behind a lot of this. Why does the media carry stories that are scandals about heroes? Because there's usually an agenda behind it. So consider that. The next time something pops up from a friend or on your feed or on social media, being outraged about something that someone famous or heroic or doing good has done that's perceived as a failing, what's the agenda behind that? Because the media simply feeds what is in us. Fear. Judgment a bias toward being negative and focusing on those things because there is research that shows that something like it takes something like seven positive things to counteract one negative thing. So we quite easily as human beings, wired the way we're wired, get caught in this spiral of negativity and fear. So catch yourself. Check yourself. Look at what's going on when you want to just jump on board and criticize someone for being less heroic or less martyry than you think they should be. So on that note of the media not being here to tell you good things, if you think that's the case, it is definitely the case. There's this brilliant academic called Steven Pinker and check out his TED Talk. Just Google Steven Pinker TED Talk and it will pop up and it's going to be a pleasure. Just turn it on in the background. He's done a few. But he wrote the bestseller called Enlightenment Now and he talks about how there's a strong negativity bias in the media. So this is a quote from an, uh, uh, an interview he did. Journalism has a built-in bias toward the negative because bad things are sudden and newsworthy, like a shooting rampage, a war, an epidemic, while good things are gradual and boring, a crime decline, a spreading peace, a longevity rise. So my point is positive stories highlighting longer-term trends and realizations in poverty decline or global security improvements or longevity are totally dismissed. And this gives us the feeling that the world is not better off and that democracy is doomed and everything is basically screwed when actually if you think about the the actual statistics longevity is rising people are living longer fewer children are dying global diseases are being eradicated heroic things happen every day and it's like international development people don't talk about and it's very hard to measure how many people didn't die because you did something good five years earlier, you implemented a nutrition program, or you educated women, or whatever. That stuff is hard to measure, and it's not very newsworthy in the type of media that we have. And we have this mental news cycle and an unlimited amount of news resources that have to be fed. And they are fed with things that are newsworthy, and usually pretty grim. So check your sources. Before you jump on board with taking down a hero, I want to give you some things to think about. I want to be helpful by telling the truth, but also giving you some things you can do. Something that challenges and empowers you, because that's how I roll. That is what I have been taught to do, and it's what I see works in the world. This creates real change. So if you feel uncomfortable, I'm glad. 
Look in the mirror and ask what your criticisms of others and heroes says about you. What are you not doing? What are you not showing up for in your life or in the world that you might be ashamed of or lazy about? Criticizing people is just a lazy way of outsourcing maybe some things you need to deal with in yourself. But number one, before you jump into taking down a hero or I call it punching your allies, pause and consider this is actually a human being, someone who's doing something in the world. Don't dehumanize them, first of all, by making them a hero to be either elevated or attacked. That's not fair to them. How would you feel if somebody did that to you? Number two, what systemic failings have caused them to become elevated as a person to hero status? And rather than focusing on them, think about the reasons they're in the position they're in. Focus on those. Have discussions about, you know, systemic racial oppression or systems of consumption that exploit people or why we live in a culture of violence by men against men and women. All the topics that I talk about on this podcast, all the things that we should be uncomfortable about, use this as an opportunity for productive discomfort. Also, realize the media has a bias toward negativity, and you probably don't know the whole story. So think about the whole story. If you feel really outraged, do more research. And then if you do feel quite justified in thinking, okay, this person is skimming or doing something that is very, very hypocritical and people are following them, yeah, maybe it is time to call it out. I'm not saying don't call out hypocrisy or things that don't look right. I'm saying just do your research. Look under the bias of the sources of news that you're getting. Do your own research and then make a conclusion. But also keep in mind this person is human. Have you ever been perfect? What would happen if somebody elevated you to hero status tomorrow? What would you be worried people would find out and criticize you for? Hmm. And then, obviously, take a good hard look in the mirror. What does any inclination you have to attack other people, whether it's people you know and respect who don't go to a protest with you, or they don't recycle as well as you, or it is an actual hero, what does your need to attack them or your, your initial desire to attack them say about you? Particularly about what makes you uncomfortable. Where do you maybe feel you're failing in your life or you're angry or you feel like there isn't enough going on in the world? And rather than reacting out of fear, step back and just observe that. Ask what you can do instead of criticizing someone because that really does not much good. When you attack someone for something you already feel freaked out about, what good is that going to do? So <laughs> hopefully that is a useful way to leave you, but Hopefully I have made you uncomfortable. I've made you consider something. And maybe this is something that you can have a conversation about with others. Why do we take down our heroes? Why do we require people to be martyrs in order to do something good when we wouldn't be willing to do that ourselves? If you have anything to add to this, if you have any disagreements, I would love to hear from you. I don't want to be anyone's hero because I don't want to be taken down. I'm a living, breathing human being trying to do my best in this world and make my impact a good one. It's all any of us can do. So please never put me in a hero role. <laughs> Don't expect anything but human behavior from me, from yourself or from anyone else. So thank you for your time. As always, let me know what you think. Thank you to my team who helped me produce this podcast, to my brilliant editor, Dimitar Tsvetkov, to Thomas Sheffer for the original music, and to Luis Amaro for the original artwork. 
If you enjoy this podcast, you can help me reach new listeners by leaving me a five-star and written review on Apple Podcasts, following me on Spotify, or anywhere else you love to listen to podcasts. You can also follow me on Instagram at TheBetsyReed. That's B-E-T-S-Y-R-E-E-D. If you're interested in bonus episodes and guided meditations I record regularly, head over to patreon.com and become a supporter. For the price of a coffee each month, you get access to a community. So there's really only one thing left to say. Thank you for spending time with me. Stay uncomfortable.